0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. So great, we're having fun everyone say Philippians! Philippians, you know, last Sunday, the online, if you had a chance to watch it, was a great conversation with Mike and JD and Melissa about our new series that we're going into over the next couple weeks. And this is going to be kind of a different way of bringing the word than what maybe you're used to or maybe what we've done before. But um, we're going to be reading through the entire book of Philippians, discovering the key to happiness or what Paul described as the key to contentment. And uh, I love the book of Philippians. How many of you have read the book of Philippians? Philippians, if you have not read it, it is a great book to, to read because it's only four chapters and you can say I read the whole book and then you sound really smart. But I actually, in 2014, I had the privilege, I, We've done a lot of, I've done a lot of trips over to Greece because one of the missions organizations that we support, A21, their head office is in Greece. And so I would go over there and do some things with A21. It's an anti-human trafficking organization, and they would, you know, take us around to some of the different sites. And what's cool about that part of this, that part of the or the the world, is you're gonna see all these places that we read about in the New Testament and they read about in the Bible. And they took me to Philippi. And here's some cool pictures. The media team's got some. There, it's. I was actually, it was a sunny. This is one of the platform where they think Paul probably preached when he was there. And one of the things, you can just keep going through them, guys. And this is some of the ruins. It was a, Philippi was a Roman city in northern Greece. It's kind of in a, pro, it's in a province called Macedonia. This is the Via Egnatia. It was the road that connected all throughout Rome. And they believe this is one of the roads that Paul would have traveled on when he came into the city. And this is, look at this, the prison of St. Paul. And they're going to, this is crazy, and we're going to talk about this, but there, that's, yeah, there's this prison. How fun is that? So crazy. So Paul's first visit to Philippi, you can read about it in Acts chapter 16. So actually, if you're taking notes, even if you have a Bible, like, look at my Bible. I write in my Bible. You should write in your Bible, too. It's a good thing write in your Bible, but you can maybe write in there Acts 16. So this is kind of gives you some backstory of what and why Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. And that's why it's called Philippians because that's what you're called. If you live in Philippi, you were a Philippian, like you live in Canada and you're a Canadian. Or if you live in Edmonton, you're an Edmontonian. I don't know why they put the eons on the end, but they just do. But Paul's first visit to Philippi was very significant because Philippi was the first place in Europe that would have heard the gospel message. Now, when Paul and the New Testament writers talk about gospel, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've heard that word gospel, and it has, you know, especially if you're kind of like a church person, you have funny ideas, you know, the gospel, it's like a turn or burn, like repent of your sins, are you going to die and go to hell? Like, that's a good news. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of, you know, the gospel actually means good news. And what Paul, what Jesus meant when they used this term good news, and the other writers of the New Testament, when they used the word good news or the gospel, it did not mean your sins are forgiven so you can go to heaven someday. It didn't mean that. The good news was the message that God's kingdom had come ahead of schedule on earth through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection was actually a sign that God, what he had promised for millennia, was actually coming to pass ahead of schedule. And the good news was that humans would now be free from their sins because of what Jesus had done. He was now the new ruling king and not Caesar, which when you're preaching a message in a Roman colony ruled by Caesar, there's another king, that's a problem. But the good news meant that there's another king. God has come to earth again He came in the person of Jesus. He's still here in his body called the church. Forgiveness of sins has been released to all of humanity. If you believe in that, you get to get in on the good stuff that God is doing now. And God started this almost like a reclamation program on earth And someday, heaven and earth were going to be joined again. We're not going to be whisked up off of earth to go someplace called heaven. Heaven is coming to earth, and everything on earth is going to be made new. That was the good news. And so basically, when Paul was preaching, he was going around to these Roman colonies and these other cities and places like modern-day Turkey and Syria and, and all throughout the Middle East. And he was saying, there is a new king, a new ruler. It's not Caesar anymore. And he's a way better ruler than Caesar. Philippi was the first place in Europe to hear this good news message that there was a new king. And it was not Caesar. Now, if you understand that, you see why Paul got himself into trouble a lot in the book of Acts. But it was in Philippi that Paul met this really wealthy businesswoman named Lydia. She became, they think, one of the first believers in Europe, in Christ, in this gospel message. She ended up taking care of Paul, opened up her home to him. And Paul stayed in Philippi for a while. And Paul was there with some of his friends. One of them was named Silas. And they would go every day. They would go from where they were staying down to this place by the river where they were praying. And lo and behold, on one of the days, there's this little girl who was a fortune teller. She was a slave girl who'd been taken by some, you know, her masters, and she had, she, was, she had a demon. She was demonized, but she had a gift of, she also, the demon enabled her to tell fortunes, and she was making her masters a lot of money. But she started following Paul and his buddies. And what would happen is she's like, these are messengers of the most high God. And she was yelling. And and like this went on for days. And she was saying these other things. And Paul finally was just like, he had enough of it. She was driving him nuts. One day, he turns around literally and does this. In the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon left her and the girl was freed. That's pretty cool. But her masters got mad because now she wasn't making them any money. So the masters, her masters, they got really mad. They hold Paul and Silas into the courts and said, these men are creating a ruckus. They're disturbing the peace. They're disrupting our business. They're taking away all of our money and blah, 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 blah. And so Paul and Silas, they're whipped. They're thrown in prison. Maybe you know this story. Where they're in prison at midnight, they're praising God. And at midnight, there is this big earthquake. The jail is shaken. All the prison doors fly open. The jailer is there, sees what happens. He freaks out, and he's about ready to kill himself. Because if you were a jailer in a Roman jail, and your prisoners are gone, it's all your fault, and you're dead. Except Paul calls out, no, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Not a single prisoner had left. Paul preaches, tells this jailer's like freaking out. He's like, what? And he goes like, tell me what I need to do to be saved. And so they tell him about Jesus and this good news message. The jailer takes him home. He gets baptized. And there's a whole nother story. But this is what's so crazy about Philippi. Philippi was the first place Paul was put in prison. (laughs) And now several years later, Paul is in a different prison, writing to this church, In Philippi, everyone say Philippi. He's in prison, riding to a church in Philippi. First of all, he's thanking them. You will see it as we go through this book. But he's thanking the Philippi church for sending money. What they had done is they had taken up a collection for Paul. A huge collection. And then they had to travel by foot because that's what they had. Over 700 miles. It's like walking from Leduc to Vernon, B.C. Except it was very dangerous. Because if you had a buttload of cash, people were going to rob you. So it was this dangerous journey that they had sent these people carrying this money to, to Paul. Because unlike our prisons today that take care of you and feed you, if you were in prison, you had to provide for your own food. Own clothes, own anything. So that meant you had to have friends or family on the outside who were willing to come and take care of you. And so this, these people who weren't family, that had taken up this large collection to give to Saul and bring it, travel this hundreds of miles on foot to bring this offering, to bring this money to Paul to care for him. That spoke volumes to everyone who was with and surrounding Paul in prison. It got them attention. But here's the irony of the book. Of all the churches that Paul planted and cared for, Philippians, Philippi, the church at Philippi was the one that brought him the most joy. This book, the Philippians, it's described as the happiest book, one of Paul's happiest letters. And I think it's funny because, again, it was Paul, these were the people that brought him the most joy out of all his churches, yet it was his first encounter in prison. This is what he tells Timothy later in 1 Thessalonians, He says, this is how he describes his experience at Philippi. Listen to the words he used. 1 Thessalonians 2.2. After we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi. (laughs) This is the happiest church. This is his happiest letter. He loves the Philippians the most. And he was in prison when he wrote this letter. This is what's so crazy about this letter. Now, I'm saying all this because context is important when you're going to read the Bible. Understanding the background is so important because things that Paul says have a whole different context when you understand where he's at, where he's coming from, what had gone on behind all of this. So as we're going through Philippians over the next couple weeks, we're actually teaching you how to read your Bible. Hey, go figure. But see, what I love about Philippians is that for somehow for Paul, suffering plus prison plus outrageous treatment plus more suffering and more prison somehow equal joy. (laughs) Paul obviously didn't have issues with triggers. Don't even get me started on the triggers. I will say this. If you have triggers, you need to de-trigger them. There we go. Joy is one of the, joy is one of actually the big themes in this book, the book of Philippians. In fact, one of the things I encourage you to do, one of the things I did, I just went through and highlighted in pink, because pink is kind of like a happy, fun color. I highlighted every little word, joy, celebrate, rejoice, joy, celebrate. It's pretty cool how many times it's written in there. But joy is a major theme in this book. In fact, it's a template. The book of Philippians is a book of how to live free. How to live in joy, even when circumstances suck. See, the thing about Paul, when he was in prison, prison wasn't in him. And Paul wrote this letter, not as some superstar apostle. In fact, he was kind of like he thought he was like just average person. He wasn't. He was pretty a brilliant man. He was very well educated. But Paul wasn't writing this book just to show how great he was and how who actually wrote it. And we'll see later in Philippians, in chapter 3, 317, it says, he's saying, imitate me. In other words, everything I'm telling you, how I've done it, just follow me and follow my example. And that's how you can follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So everything we're reading about Paul in here isn't just for Paul, it's for me. Can you say it's for me? Church online, can you say, it's for me? It is for me. He lived free. And this is what's so crazy. If Paul hadn't mentioned prison, if you could take out all the verses about prison or bad treatment, you would never know Paul was in prison based on what he writes about in this book. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to read the whole chapter one. We're not going to read the whole book, just in case you're freaking out. Philippians 1, I'm reading in the voice, and we're going to have it on the screens. You can follow it along. It's also in your app. You can follow along in the message notes. If you have never done that, you can open up the City Life app. You can download it, Church Online. There's probably a link there somewhere how to download the app, and then just go to messages, and you can click, or notes, isn't it? Messages, and there'll be notes in there. You can find them. Here we go. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus, the anointed one, greet you, our friends in Philippi. Those set apart by Jesus the anointed. And we greet the elders and deacons who serve with you. Grace and peace be with you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus the anointed. Now look at this. Whenever you cross my mind, I thank my God for you and for the gift of knowing you. Man, he loved this church. He loved them so much. My spirit is lightened with joy. There's the first one. My spirit is lightened with joy whenever I pray for you, and I do constantly because you have partnered with me to spread the gospel since the first day I preached to you. I'm confident that the creator who's begun such a great work among you will not stop in mid-design But we'll keep perfecting you until the day Jesus the anointed, our liberating king, returns to redeem the world. That's the big word right there. Redeem the whole world. Jesus isn't just coming for people. He's coming to redeem the whole world. He's coming to redeem the systems of the world. He's coming to redeem all of the industries in the world. He's coming to redeem Creativity in the world. He's coming to redeem economics. He's coming to redeem leadership. He's coming to redeem government. He's coming to redeem family. He's coming to redeem marriages the way they're supposed to be. He's coming to redeem identity the way you're supposed to be, how God created you to be. God's coming to redeem you inside and out. He's coming to redeem friendships. He's coming to redeem education. He's coming to redeem business. We don't go to heaven and float around on clouds eating cream cheese. Like seriously, we do not. He's coming to redeem. Everyone say redeem the whole world. Yeah. Redeem the whole world. And you know, I love this. He's perfecting. You know what? Nobody's perfect. That is not a biblical truth. God's goal for you is actually perfection. You're right, Sam. The wind is blowing up here, it's blowing my pages. God's goal for us is perfection. And he also knew we could never get it on our own. That's why we need Jesus, and that's what the good news is. He lived a perfect life. Died to set us free of all of the stuff that limited and kept us from being perfect. And when he rose again, it was a sign that now a new way of being human was possible for every human being. But you think about perfecting. God's not going to stop in mid design, but will keep perfecting you. You Have you ever seen somebody who's a really amazing chef? You know, whether you watch those cooking shows or something, you know, it's got to be perfect. It's all in the little, like the little drizzle. You know, the little shaping of the little leaves into a flower. or something. You know, like, perfection is in the details, isn't it? It's in the little mundane things, the things that we think nobody will know. You know, I think that's the way God works in us. His perfecting in us is in the mundane, the little details, the things we're just kind of like, that doesn't matter. No, God's like, no, that's the perfecting. We're going to work on that little, little issue you think is a little issue. We're going to work on it. I'm confident. It is only right that I should feel such admiration for you. I'm in verse 7. You hold me close to your hearts. And since you're partners in this great work of grace, you've never failed to stand with me as I have defended and stood firm for the gospel, even from this prison cell. Before God, I want you to know how much I long to see you and love you with the affection of the anointed one, Jesus you know, I love how Paul he said, "I have defended and stood firm for the gospel, even from this prison cell." And see, the gospel for Paul wasn't words. The gospel for Paul was a reality. Can you say reality? The gospel for us, the good news for us, is a reality." And see what Paul, when he was saying, the good news, the gospel, he was actually, I've stood firm in this other reality. I've stood firm. Even while I'm in prison... I know that there's this other reality called the kingdom of God that's here present on earth right now. It's a reality here on earth right now where Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Even though stuff doesn't look like it, I am looking beyond my prison. And I see this other reality that is the good news. That there's a new king. That God is ruling here on earth. And he is in the process of redeeming and reclaiming everything. He saw beyond the present and he saw the reality of what could be what was in a different place. It's kind of like, remember those 3D images? Remember those weird things that they had a whole bunch of designs and you kind of had to like cross your eyes in order to see what it was? You had to actually look beyond the image to see what was. And he goes on to pray. Here's what I pray for you, my Philippians. Father, may their love grow more and more in wisdom and insight. It's kind of funny he didn't say feelings and gushy stuff. May their love grow more and more in wisdom and insight so they will be able to examine and determine the best from everything else. And on the day of the anointed one, the day of his judgment, let them stand pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that ripens through Jesus the anointed. You know those three verses right there? If you don't know what to pray, that's a great verse to pray for your friends and family, your loved ones. And look at what he says. All this I pray with a view to God's ultimate praise and glory. I have good news, verse 12. Brothers and sisters, and I want to share it. Believe it or not, my imprisonment has actually helped spread the good news. There we have it again. Has actually helped spread the good news to new places and populations. Word is spread through the ranks of the Imperial Guard and to everyone else around me that I'm in prison because of my faith in the Anointed One. My imprisonment has instilled courage in most of our brothers and sisters, so they are trusting God more. And have been even more daring as they speak the good news without fear. Now here's where we can get lost. But here's Bible tip reading number one. you got to put yourself into the story. So you got to ask yourself, what prison do I feel like I'm in? What prison are you in? Are you in a prison where... You feel restricted. You feel limited. You feel like maybe it's a prison of a long wait for prayers being answered or a prison of things not changing or it's been a long, long time struggling with an illness or struggling in a relationship or just in an environment that's terrible. What is your prison? Where do you feel like you're in prison? This is where Philippians is your book. And I think Paul has such a beautiful response. The way he responded, look at. They're trusting God more. They've been even more daring as they speak the good news without fear. And see, this is, this is the role and this is the calling of followers of Jesus. That When we're in our prisons, how are we responding? Because prison is its never just about us. How we respond in our prison times, when we feel like we're in prison, it can impact others in a powerful way. It instilled courage. The way we go through the tough stuff in life can bring courage to others. The way we walk through tough stuff can make them more daring. The way we focus what we comment on on social media. What we focus on. We can help others become fearless. I love it. He goes on, verse 15. I am well aware that some people out there are preaching the message of the anointed one. Because of jealousies and rivalries, their motives aren't pure. They're driven by selfish ambition and personal agendas, hoping somehow to add to my pain here in prison. I also know there are others who are preaching the anointed from true goodness, motivated by love. They wish me the best because they know I'm here in prison in defense of the gospel. See, Paul wasn't downplaying the hardship. He was just looking at a God who was bigger. He had a picture of the kingdom reality that was so much greater on earth. Verse 18, so what do we do then? Well, listen, what matters is that in every way, regardless of the motives, whether pure or shady, the great story of the anointed is a cause for joy. I will continue to rejoice because I know that through your engagement, sorry, through your encouragement and prayers and through the help of the spirit of Jesus, the anointed, I will soon be released from this dark place. Man, Paul's attitude. In the middle of it, what was his focus? His focus wasn't just on getting His focus was on the story of Jesus. And I think it's a great thing for us to consider. What does the story of Jesus live through my life when I go through hard stuff? Verse 20, I don't expect that dishonor and shame will plague me in any way, but I do hope I will continue to be able to speak freely and courageously about Jesus and that now and forever the anointed one will be glorified and placed above all else through through this body of mine, whether I live or die, for my life is about the anointed and him alone. What is our life about? is my life about Jesus and Jesus alone. My death when that comes will mean great gain for me. I how many of you here we go. These are going to be the verses that we can relate to Paul in. So if his will it's his will that I go on serving here, my work will be fruitful for the message. I honestly wouldn't know how or what to choose. I would be hard-pressed to decide. I lean towards leaving this world to be with the anointed one because I can only think that would be much better. You think, Paul? Like, anything would be better than prison. But you know what? Paul could relate. You know, I think we all have those days, I don't know, in the last two years, just like, oh, God, can you come back now, Jesus. But you know, Maybe you felt like this Just like, I just want to go and be with Jesus. I just want to get out of this mess. I just want to leave this circumstance. I just want to get out of this place. I just want to get out of this pain. I want to get out of this hard spot. And Paul could relate, and he didn't downplay that, but he realized there was something more. To stay in this body of flesh, even with all its pains and weaknesses, would best serve your needs. Now that I think of it... I'm sure of this. I would prefer to remain and share in the progress and joy of your growing belief. <laughs> when I return to you, we will celebrate Jesus, the anointed, even more. <laughs> like, Paul, you are crazy. He's like, process, Like I really want to go be with Jesus, but now that I think of it, it's probably better if I stay for you. And it wasn't like this, oh, I better stay and do it. It's like, no, we're going to celebrate I want to share in the joy. I want to celebrate with you. And you know, I love Paul's, his heart here, his passion for the church. He was pursuing Jesus, but he was also pursuing the church. He had such a love for Jesus. He had such a love for Jesus that it was Jesus's love for the church that came through him. And you know, something really, it was a revelation I had this week. And we actually, we were on, if you're following us in the online devotional, I kind of touched on it. It's like, oh, I have a thought here and I've never considered this before. But, you know, when we talk about following Jesus and pursuing Jesus, if you hear those words, well, what does that mean? What well, might mean, how do you pursue Jesus? Well, you read your Bible and you draw close to him and getting to know God's word. Or you pursue God's heart and you worship and you pray. And I think a lot of those things are... We're pursuing God's heart, and we're pursuing the spirit of God. We were singing earlier, Holy Spirit, would you come? We want God's presence. We, we might not understand that, but we know something happens in God's presence. You come in here, it's just like, I don't know why, but I feel better than I go out. And it's, you know, came in here, and it was like heavy, and I went out. And we, you know, the singing kind of thing. And then there was this message, and didn't understand it, but I sure felt better afterwards. And I left, and it's just like, I feel lighter. What is that? That's the presence of God. But I feel like God just gave this little bit of a tweak in my understanding. You know, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. Which means like us, he had a body, soul, and spirit. You know, I find it easy to pursue God's spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you. I want you. I want your presence, God. God's soul. We want to know God's heart. God, I want to know what you love. I want to love what you love. God, I want to know your heart. I wanna, I wanna love you. I want to feel that love. I want to experience your love. You know, still, God, I want the mind of Christ. God, I'm pursuing your mind. I want my mind cleared up because my thoughts are all crazy. And I want your, I want my thoughts to be reflecting Jesus. But here's the last part. Do you pursue the body of Jesus? like you pursue the heart and soul of Jesus? Do you pursue the body of Jesus, the church, like we do the heart of Jesus, the mind of Christ, the spirit of God? Do you love his church? with the same pursuit as you pursue your quiet devotional times or whatever else. Paul loved the church. Here's what I want. Conduct yourselves as true and worthy citizens of the anointed gospel so that whether I make it or don't make it to see you, I will hear that you continue to stand united in one spirit, single-minded in purpose as you struggle together for the faith in the gospel. Don't be paralyzed in any way by what your opponents are doing. Your steadfast faith in the face of opposition is a sign that they're doomed. and <laughs> You've been graced with God's salvation. And now, look at this. You've been given the privilege, everyone say privilege, of not only believing in Jesus, the anointed, our liberating king, but being chosen to suffer for him as well. Thank you for that. (laughs) You've seen me suffer for him since I've been away. You've heard of the other agonizing conflicts I've had to face. Now you know firsthand the pains of this battle. You know, this is what's interesting about when Paul's talking, we've been chosen, we've been given a gift of suffering. That word suffering in the original Greek, it's the word pasco, pasco. And experiencing, it means to experience or feel something in a good or bad sense. It's a word that means, for us, we just think of suffering, it's a bad thing. But in the original language, it depended on how you approached it. Whether you felt it in a bad way, Or you experienced hard, tough stuff in joy, like Paul is modeling right here. Can we stand? I want to pray for us. Sorry we've gone over. There's something I believe that God wants to ignite in our hearts. First of all, I'm going to pray for a couple groups of people. I'm going to pray, but just close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to pray. Anybody you feel, you can say, I feel like I have been in a prison lately. Just put up your hand. You can say, well, I don't have to put my hand. I can just mean up my heart. Yeah, God can hear you, but you know what? Your hand is an act of surrender, and it's humility and saying, I need help. <laughs> it's not for me. It's for you. I'm going to pray for you. There's hands up all over the place, and I want to speak over you because God's given power and authority to us, and I believe that in the same way that Jesus, Paul came declaring the good news. Part of the good news was that captives are free. I'm going to pray for you today that even though you might feel like you're in prison, I want to pray liberation in your spirit, liberation in your soul, in your heart, in your emotion. your feeling that it might go on a little bit longer physically or the circumstance, but you don't have to have prison in you. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with every person whose hand is raised. God, you know the dynamics. You know exactly what the prison is. Father, the the things that haven't been answered, the frustrations, the hurt, the very real physical pain. God, in the name of Jesus, Father, even for those watching online, in the name of Jesus, I declare the message of the good news, the gospel that is here now, that the captives have been released. The prisoners have been set free. And I speak loosing to every person now, Father, that this prison would not have gained any weight, gained any place, gained any root in the soul. I speak freedom and liberty to the soul of your people. I speak liberty into people's bodies. God, I speak healing to come now. Healing is not part of the kingdom of God, and we declare healing and health and wholeness in physical bodies now in the name of Jesus And God, we declare a new day of freedom and liberty for your people today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we give God thanks? In Jesus' name. No more prison. No more prison in the soul. God, I thank you for a joy being released that no matter how long it might be in that circumstance, God, there's going to be a joy just like Paul experienced. The joy of knowing who really was his King and Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I'm going to praise, this is for all. I want to pray for anyone watching, anyone in this room online, where you do not have a relationship with Jesus. In other words, you're not living in the reality of you're free. Your sins are forgiven. That's a good news message. It's a reality for you now. And Jesus is saying, will you come into that reality and follow me so I can show you how to live this thing out? Tricky. (laughs) And we're going to pray together, and we're going to pray with you online as well. And can we pray? We pray out loud together because nobody prays alone, but let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for everything you've done to free me, to give me a new start. I say yes to following you and living in the good news reality. Jesus, you are king, and you are Lord. Thank you for a new start. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks. Can we give Him praise, God? Thank you, God. I thank you for hearts that are being touched. I thank you for lives that are being touched. I know this is a prayer for all of us, and I'd like to invite you to, if you could, raise your hands. And this again, there's something. The reason we have you do this is because it it, it changes our posture. It's not a magic thing to get God to do something. It changes your expectation in your brain because our biggest problem is not the devil. Our biggest problem is this mass in between our ears. It's called our brain. And when we do something, especially something that makes us uncomfortable, it gives us, it creates an openness in our thinking. But even if we're used to it, it creates a posture of receptivity to Holy Spirit. And I wanna lead us in a prayer asking God to give us a love for His church. We, we, there's a love that we need to have for our world that's broken. But man, God loves His church. She is not perfect. And we've seen that. If you follow the news, if you're on social media, you see it, it's all over the place. And that is unfortunate, it is sad, and God, it God's heart. man he wants us to pursue his body fellowship and connection and love and kindness and grace to each other they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another and can we pray this prayer together say Jesus would you do something in me would you give me your heart for your body for your church help me to love her like Paul loved her, and mostly like you love her. God, give me a new love for your church, your body. Thank you that I'm a part of it.